Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, My First Season. My name is Greg, and we have a very, very special guest today. If you recall, a few months back, I made a stupid bet that I would get every member of the Paradise Island tennis team on the podcast. I don't know why I said it, but uh, we have the second to last person of that team that's going to be on, on the show. You'll, you're going to hear him soon. And after after this gentleman, there is one left. His first season was in Itaparica, Brazil. He was a tennis geo. This would have been in the year 2000 in the winter. Now he is living in the beautiful state of California. Yes, I am very jealous. I did work with him, as mentioned, in Paradise Island 2002-2003 season. Please give a warm welcome to Renato. Hey, sir, how are you? How are you, Greg? Good. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this so I don't look like an idiot. Thank you. Thank you. I hate losing bets. You know me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good to hear you. So good to see you. And uh, wow. Okay. I can't wait to get into this because I'm interested in everyone's origin story. I guess my first question is uh, how old were you really when you started playing tennis? Because I think tennis is the hardest sport in the world. So why did you want to learn tennis? Well, the funny story is that I never played uh, tennis before going to Club Med. What? And I became, yes, and I became a tennis geo by, uh, by luck. So I was a professional squash player once upon a time. And for some crazy reason, the chief of village in Itaparica, Brazil, that season thought that tennis and squash is basically the same because you involved the rack and the ball. And he offered me the job. <laughs> but, well, there's no, but there's no wall in tennis, right? You're right. So okay. Okay. <laughs> This is, uh, are we allowed to ask who the chief of village was? Of course, yeah. Okay. The chief of village was an amazing chief of village. His name is Arni, Arni Iofi. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, okay. he's Italian and he is, I mean, he was probably the reason I joined Clamed was him. And when you say you were a professional squash player, does that mean you were ranked in Brazil? Yes. Um, so when I joined Clamed, I was 20 years old and I had stopped playing professional squash a few years before. I was a um, few times Brazilian champion, South American champion, Pan American champion, and I was top 10 in the world. Wow. Okay. Now, all right. How old were you? How did you, how did you develop a love for squash then? How old were you? Yeah. So, so I was, I'm, I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil, um, and lots of indoor sports because it rains a lot in Sao Paulo. I started playing when I was nine and played a junior career. I lived in England for a couple of years. I lived in Canada for a year. You did? Where? Uh, where, where about in Canada? Sorry. I lived in uh, Mississauga, close to Toronto. <laughs> okay. Wow. Funny so enough. So is this why you have like a near perfect, uh, well, I'd, I'd, I'd swear you were English when I met you, but is that how you, is that where you learned English living in well, England? I'm, and I don't think my English is close to perfect. My wife, Kim, <laughs> Kim keeps telling me, Please don't lose your accent. Keep some accent. So I have an <laughs> okay. accent. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that, that handsome face isn't enough, Kim. Oh, okay. I'm going to have a yes. talk with her. Okay. <laughs> but um, but I did learn English, I think, uh, in school a little bit. But that's not the reason I think I can speak English a bit better. But yes, traveling at a young age. I lived in, in um, Canada when I was 12 and then in England when I was 14. So that kind of helped speak a bit better. Do you recall when you first tried playing squash? So I played at nine, nine years old. I started playing squash. Uh, by the age of 10, I beat my first instructor. And then it was just an uphill. Like I just started to just do more, play more, do more. And um, I won my first national championship at 11. And then it kept going. Kind of like it's a small sport, guys. Like, you know, it's not playing football or, I mean, basketball. You are not beating, I don't know, thousands of people. You're beating hundreds of people. 
But then I wanted to play more. I wanted to try more. So I ended up living. I lived in Canada to play. I lived in England to play, to train. So that was my journey. I started playing professional squash at 14 years old. And in the same vein that I, I started early, I stopped playing professionally early. Because when I went to college, I did not went to college in the U.S. I went to college back in Brazil. If I knew I could have attended a great school as a student athlete, I would have done it. But I didn't. I stayed back in Brazil. But I guess it's the right path on my life because because I stay in Brazil, I joined Club Med in the end of my college time. So I thought it was perfect fit for me. How did you find out about Club Med? So at my college years, I was living in a city called Salvador, which is the state of Bahia. And that is the mainland, if you want to call that, uh, where Itaparica is. Itaparica is an island about one hour ferry boat ride from Salvador. So I was living in Salvador, going to school there. My mom had moved to, to Salvador years prior. And I used to be a GM, like a lot of other folks. Really? Uh, okay. Oh, my goodness. I was a GM, and I was a, a kind of a one of those GMs that keep coming back. You know? Oh, those guys that, okay. <laughs> so I um, <laughs> kept loving coming back to Club Med. And I always felt that the GOs were the best tribe in the world. I, I had this thing about, especially on like the, the late 1990s, I think there was a lot of cool things happening still in Club Med. So I looked at them as my idol. And then at the age of 17, so three years prior to joining Club Med, the head recruiter in Brazil, which is, his name is Carlon. He was a great chief of sports and a great guy. He ended up being, going to the Brazilian office. He said, hey, would you like to join our team? I spoke a few languages. I was very kind of into the sports thing, scene. And I said, dude, I'm, I'm underaged. <laughs> I'm 17, man. He goes, oh, you can't join now, but I'll keep tabs on you. And then I kept coming to Club Med. I don't know how many times a year. I used to go about easily about six to 10 times. I would go to Club Med on a year. Really? Um, wow. Okay. Because I could go for the weekend, correct? I That's could right. Yeah. For the weekend. And then the last time I went as a GM, I remember there was an opening on the tennis team. And then the chief of village, Arnie, at that point, he knew my mom. He knew my dad. Like he was a close friend. And he came to me. Uh, not with my mom, just came to me and said, hey, I know you're in college. I know you have your life back in, back in mainland, but if you want, it's yours. If you give me the wing, I will I'll hold the spot to you. So go home and let me know. That was a Sunday before I left for the, the, the par. And then I came home. This is a story, man. I came home. Do not tell my mom. And then on Monday, I used to live at my mom's house. Back in Brazil, you don't go to college. You get out of college. You stay in your parents' house. And then on Monday morning, my mom woke me up. Hey, Renati, you going to go to class? I said, Mom, FYI, I'm, I'm quitting college. <laughs> I am I'm joining Club Med. And she went ballistic. She <laughs> went crazy. And she goes, she said, if you leave now, I will never pay a, a bill for you ever again. And she all that blackmail stuff. And oh, I man. said, yeah, but I think that's what I'm supposed to be. I have this big calling to become a GO. GO's being my dream. And I call Arnie said, you better tell me that the position is still mine because I just fall with my mother. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just I just blew up my life. <laughs> okay. I just quit college, man. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I went. That was the beginning of my career as a GO. Now, in all those times you went to the village as a GM, did you ever once pick up a tennis racket? 
to play? Nope. I was, I was, <laughs> okay. I was, I was known as a squash guy. I mean, okay. even in like, I was a, like a, the face of squash in Brazil. I had nothing to do with tennis ever. Okay. The head of the tennis team back then, it was like an Argentinian player called Gabriel. He was an amazing tennis player. He was quarter finalist at the French Open doubles with Marcelo Rios. Marcelo Rios was like a, a like top 10 in the world single. This guy was a legit tennis player. And he was the, the head of the tennis program. And he knew me as the kid. They used to come in and ask for squash. Like there, we Itaparica had two squash courts, by the way. That's why I was always there too. Because oh. I could play I could play squash in Itaparica. So he never saw me as a tennis guy. And then the next day I come in as a, his new tennis geo. And he goes, okay, can you play tennis? I said, nope, never touched a tennis racket before. <laughs> so he, he told me this. He goes, today you watch me teach, tomorrow you teach. Like no BS, straight into it. He, 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 he wanted me to go to work. He kinda, I don't think he liked me from the get-go, which is very common. Like <laughs> a guy that's had, handpicked by the chief of village to be the new guy is not going to be welcomed very easily. <laughs> so I did watch his three lessons that day. 8.30 advanced, 9.30 intermediate, 10.30 beginners. And then that evening, I was really scared for the next morning. So that evening, I went, when everyone went to bed, I took the canister of balls and I went to the tennis court and I started feeding for nobody. I was feeding the ball by myself to try to understand how to feed the ball and pretend I was a tennis player. And that was my first lesson with the next morning. Now, when you were watching his lesson, did you find there were any transferable skills from tennis to squash? That's a good question. Um, the, so in, in, in tennis, you mainly top spin every shot. And in squash is the opposite. You actually slice every shot. That top spin for your listeners is when you hit the ball um, on the top half of it. So it spins forward. The ball spins forward and sliced when you hit, hit under the ball. And this ball, the ball spins backwards. There's a reason why these two sports play differently. So I've learned from the get-go that I, in squash, you, you slice everything. So I said, okay, I cannot teach the slice to the GMs. But I heard the terms. Like I, Probably my first few lessons were horrible and very bland and vanilla. But the thing is, I then I basically switched off from squash to tennis. I pull a new file in my head. And I think I was a legit, I mean, a proficient squash player. So I could translate the skills and move them a little bit to, um, to tennis. So in about, I'll say a few weeks to a month, I was playing decent tennis and then was easy, much easier. Now I've only played squash a handful of times, but do you slice the ball in squash to make it drop closer to the wall? Is that why you're doing that? The theory is exactly that. You okay. slice the ball because you don't want the ball to hit the wall and pop up. You want the ball to hit the ball and go downwards. That's the idea. Now, having said that, when you were on the tennis court playing, did you ever do that at the net? Do that? Did you ever slice the ball? Were you good at, you must've been good at that, right? So usually in tennis slice, it's more of like a, a um, passive or defensive shot. So when I play tennis, I still play tennis to this, to this day. I, every backhand I slice and every forehand I top spin. I think that makes it easier, harder for my opponent to deal with my shots. And if one day, 
you interview Peter from the Paradise Point at uh, Paradise Island. I, uh, I did. I did already. He's it's uh, up, it's it's up there already. <laughs> if you if we, if we I think rewind, I, I, I think he mentioned uh, that your skill though. I th- I think that's what he said. That shot that you have. <laughs> yes, he hates it. <laughs> Man, we hate to run when we play tennis. <laughs> yeah, because kind of like it's, it takes the pace off the ball a little bit. So my backhands, I slice everything, and the forehands, I play a regular tennis forehand topspin. So I'm guessing when you when you did that slice, you you were probably hitting what 85% of those just um, just at the net or more. I'll guess, I'll guess. I don't think it's very hard to to miss a slice uh, because for us it's like anyway, slice for us is too easy. And when you're hitting a little squash ball, you're gonna be very precise. You hit a big fat tennis ball, and there's so much room to play, so it's hard to miss a slice. All right. Since you had been going to Itaparica as a GM, usually I ask people, what kind, of, what kind of culture shock did you have? So since you were going as a guest, you had zero culture shock. You probably knew the hours you were going to work already because you know you knew at least six days. So you, you basically knew everything already, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's, I think, a good question, Greg, because I was, I was, I want to in, I want to into the life, you know, I want to into the world of a GO. So I was expecting, I wanted the whole thing to come to me. You know, I was ready for this. It wasn't a surprise, but it just, I mean, I was, I was happily surprised how much fun it was, but I'll tell you one story. My chief of sports then, his name was Fabio, Fabinho. Fabio was one of the, one of the other reasons I joined Clement because he's such a, uh, it was a great guy to work for, very relaxed, very Brazilian, very kind of swag thing. And he, so when I come in, Arnie, chief of village came in and gave me like a, no kidding, 30 second Welcome, man. I'm glad you're here. I got to go. I thought like, okay, you recruited me last weekend. I'm here today. And basically, thanks. Well, good luck. Fair enough. And then Fabio said, I'll take you to your room. And my room was G93. I will never forget it. You remember uh, your room? A hundred percent. Okay. G93. And it was, it was in the second floor in the middle of the G- GM's rooms. It was all the way... I mean, basically the last block. So we walked forever. And on the walk, Fabio, there was a great chief of sports. He was, and for me, he was a chief of sports and as a GM, he was my chief of sports. Now he's my boss. And he was, he was different. And he walked, he walked around. And I remember getting to my room and I never seen a geo room before. He showed me my room, my, I carry my bags and then my door couldn't close. I remember like it was yesterday. My door, it was of the desk that couldn't shut my door. And as he was on the doorway of my room, he says, hey, hey, brother, I don't care if you're the chief of village friend or not. Over here, you're my guy. Get ready to work. He kind of like brought me all the GM stuff died at that <laughs> moment. And I thought that was brilliant, brilliant that he, he told me that because I'm not going to be the chief of villages friend. I'm a geo like everyone else. And that was the beginning of the University of Club Med for me. I learned so much from Club Med. I still talk about Club Med on a weekly basis at my current job. And Fabio putting a reality into my face was perfect. Talk a little bit, bit about shows, because when I had Gabby, the choreographer on, and I asked yeah. her, how come I was always at the back of the curtain and Renato was up front? She said, well, because Greg, Renato knew how to dance and you didn't. Fair enough. Could you always dance? Because she wouldn't shut up about how good a dance you uh, you were. So did you, is, it, um, or is this I a Brazilian did. thing? Are you just born with it? Or did you <laughs> learn funny. at, at Taparica? <laughs> 
funny. I never danced before. Uh, I, I do not consider myself a good dancer, but because you do so much, correct? You kind of get the hang of it. And if you do it with a big smile on your face, no one cares. So <laughs> Gabby was just too kind to think I'm a good dancer because I'm Brazilian. That kind of plays into my hand, but <laughs> I never danced before. And I think I learned a little bit while in Club Med. Well, it could also work against you because I did everything I could at 10 years to avoid the shows. But I guess there we go. you kind of had a target on your back. He's Brazilian. It doesn't matter if he can dance or not. Yeah. He's Brazilian. <laughs> Put him in That's the front funny. row. <laughs> yeah. Make sure he's there at midnight rehearsal. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is uh, this is pretty interesting. About how long typically did you stay in a Taparica? So context for your listeners and for you, Greg. Um, back then, there was only two villages in Brazil. There was Itaparica and there was Rio das Pedras in Rio. Yes. That's it. So there was no Trancoso. There was no Lake Paradise, which there is now. And Itaparica, FYI, closed up. So now Brazil has three villages, but Back when I was there, was only two. And the geos did not travel. So while I was in Club Med, uh, 9-11 happened. When 9-11 happened, it just got even worse. Basically, it was... So Arnie, Arnie, the chief of village that got me, he, he, when that season left, he took, I think, 11 geos. He's the best of the best. He took it with him. And then there was kind of a quote-unquote informal mandate that that was it. No one else is traveling. And was actually informed to us by management saying, guys, you're going to be going from Itaparica to Rio das Pedras and back and forth. You can grow within, but no one's traveling, which was a big disappointment for geos. As you can imagine, we joined the life because we want to travel and do a lot. So I was kind of like, okay, I better just kind of grind, correct? Do my grind, maybe go from chief um, tennis geo to chief of tennis and maybe, I don't know. I was enjoying the whole lifestyle anyways. I wasn't thinking much about traveling my first two seasons because people stay there for like eight to 10 seasons without traveling. Very, very common. You spend four, three to five years without traveling. So when Arnie left, the new chief of village that came in, his name is Metis. Metis was the professor of my life. This guy is, if he calls me today saying, hey, Renato, I need someone, I'll probably quit my job and go work for him. <laughs> uh, love this man this guy is everything i've learned if i learn to lead what i lead today in my current job he's the reason i learn anything and i just owe a lot to him he was much different than arnie arnie is italian good looking guy italian charming Metis was short funny faced but he was so professional so when Metis came we knew that no one was traveling but Metis taught me a lot and he kept my dream alive of one day traveling and I was the next geo out of any other geos that took off Brazil after that batch, the Arnie, which I was, I think, two or three seasons after. It was the one I, then I left. So when you left Taparica, where, where, where did you travel to? I went for a quick uh, a stage stage at um, Sandpiper. Okay. I didn't work there. I just did my ATP course there. And then I, was, I went to a... a, a common place from you called paradise island my friend all right okay we'll get into that in a moment i just had mm-hmm. a question that occurred to me as we were talking when you when you started working as a geo at Itaparica, did any of the gms recognize you as a squash player like uh, did, did any of them show up to your lesson or like hey i know you you're did that it's ever funny, happen um, um not it's funny it did not happen uh, like from brazilians but happened from international players really uh, okay. yeah okay funny, like, like funny. european europeans you mean 
uh, Europeans, Americans, uh, some of those who recognize me. But the funny story is that so so Métis realized that so because and I don't want to say this in any uh, conceding way. Uh, I I try to be as humble as possible and not look like in, uh, in like I don't know. I just, I'm just saying this without trying to brag. But yes. I knew that there's only a few people in the world that could beat me. I knew the people that could beat me or get close to me. So and I knew they were there that they're weak or not. So on the demo sport on a Monday lunchtime on the pool of Itaparica. To do the demo sport, you know, the good old Mission Impossible in the end, that good stuff. We were lined up, and I was just the tennis geo in Itapari, in an island back in Brazil. Chief of Village used to come and say, Hey guys, if anyone can beat that skinny little guy there, could you hand up Renato? If anyone beats that guy in squash this week, you have a free vacation on me. So he used to say <laughs> this all the time. Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and because I used to tell him, I don't see anyone that I know in this week here. So no one plays squash. You're, you're safe. Uh, so okay. what happens often is squash became actually a, a big activity in club med for those seasons because a lot of folks challenged me for years and years and season season. They were challenging me to try to get a, a free week in club med. Even, even if they couldn't play at all, they would challenge you? Oh, especially Argentinians. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Argentina and Brazilians, they don't love each other. And, and they <laughs> and they kept thinking, how can this little piece of crap be me? And, and anyways, okay. um, I so, think I held, my, I held my own. So did you remain undefeated? Thank goodness. No All GMD. right. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is amazing. Okay, so you do your stage, yes, because Paradise Island has a big, you know, big ATP. You had, uh, you had what, yes. almost 17 courts in Paradise or something? Yeah, that's a good question. Hard, hard yeah, you had hard true courts. I think, yeah, I think you had about, because I remember we used to do the bocce ball tournaments there at night. I, yes. I remember yes. counting them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, okay, brought up your wife before, so this is interesting. I worked with your wife in Paradise on the beach, Kim. Yes. I guess I assume you guys met in Paradise the season before I had arrived, I'm imagining, correct? That is correct. So we met the... It was her first season, and it was my... Oh, it was? Oh, okay. I didn't know that was her first she, season. She graduated from UCLA and went straight to Club Med. Oh, wow. That's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then so we uh, we met we met on the, on the sports team. I think it was maybe my, I don't know, my, my, my first month there or something. The team was coming together. I got there before her. We were, so she was on the beach team. I was the tennis team. We were friends for one season, nothing, like just colleagues. And then the whole team changed, friend, as you know, people fr- come, people go. So you were friend zone, friend zone for one whole season. Is that what you're telling yep. me? Oh, wow. Exactly. Okay. Friend zone. Okay. Actually, she will tell you better than me that she was my biggest fan. And I can tell <laughs> you that I wasn't her biggest fan in the first season. Uh, and then the magic of Club Med happened. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, very well. Very nice lady. You did very well by by marrying her. I yeah, must say. I mean, she is she is fantastic. We've been we've been together for nineteen years. We've been married for seventeen years, and we have three beautiful girls. Wow! That yeah. I do believe that at least one of them will eventually be a geo. So it will be a full circle when that happens. Okay, so one is more uh, rambunctious and outgoing than. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if all of them become a geo. But let's see what happens. I don't want to, I don't want to put that in front of them because we know how much fun that is. So yeah. let's see what happens. 
Well, I recall before I before I met you, Joker told me all about you guys because he had been there that, that season with you. So he kept talking about you and Petey, most of the tennis team, in fact. So that's yeah. that's how I knew I was going to get along with you guys. And you, and, and you, for some reason, like, I don't know if you remember this, you, you put me in, you needed someone for your Backstreet Boys number. Yeah. Now I went on YouTube. I haven't been on my YouTube channel in about 10 years. You know, that video that <laughs> what's the name of that song? You are my fire. Uh, my yes. desire. What's the name of that song? I oh, got it's Backstreet Boys, right? I, luckily I don't know the name, but I, yeah, know, okay. the, the, I know the number that, you're talking about. That video has 3,681 views for some reason. Oh, but my, my, my question is you is why did you give me the lighter that never worked? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was me. Okay. Because <laughs> That was, that was all me. Perfect fit for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, that, uh, of all my videos, that one has been seen the most. I don't know why, but I am going to post that. Uh, I'm going to post a link so people will know what we're talking about in this episode description, if that's okay with you. What, when I posted that video 15 years ago, standard definition was fine. I don't know. YouTube changed. <laughs> so it's a, it's a little blurry, even though it was, a, it was a high definition Sony camera. I want you guys to know. All right. Okay. <laughs> now, since, okay. I'm going to move you away from Brazil to to Paradise Island because I have my favorite tennis question because I'm sure my question when you hear it you might have it might have occurred on a daily basis in Brazil but maybe not so in yeah. Paradise Island. So my question to you is because I also worked with a a tennis geo uh, named Fabio and this what what I'm about to describe to you happened to him on a daily basis and he, mm-hmm. he, he got enraged. Did it ever happen when you're about to give a tennis lesson and a geo, no, sorry, a GM, a GM shows up in a speedo and running shoes for the lesson. No, and so if fun. so, and if so, what did you do? Um, you're not ready to play. Actually, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest with you is this, if he comes for the early morning lesson, which is the advanced lesson. Yes. I would say, with a big smile on my face. Hey, my friend, how are you? Good to see you. Where are you coming from? Is it late last night? Did this morning? I'll get some information. The reality that if it's an advanced lesson, they usually come the other way around. Yes. They come with a Nike bandana and full of props. And, and But the, in the beginner lesson, that would be a common occurrence. Uh, we don't love it because it's kind of a joke. Maybe <laughs> yeah. it was maybe it was the animator coming through with the passage or something. No, I, uh, I, 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 this happened. Well, I was in Turkey, and this would actually happen. I was always called to the tennis court to calm down my tennis shoe because he would just go nuts. What are you doing? He goes, "I'm here to play tennis." No, no, you're you're obviously dressed for the beach. The beach is that way, you know. So I, yeah. I, 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 so ever since then, I have this fascination with with the tennis shoes and speedos for some reason. Yeah, you know. It's <laughs> In back, it's funny because back in Brazil, it's a, a true story. People wore cow with speedos and yes. uh, a, t- a t-shirt, speedos and tennis shoes. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, that, that I and, know. And Kim, actually, when Kim moved, when we left Clement, moved back to Brazil, Kim was like, Renato, why are people running naked on the street? I said, no, they're not naked. They've got a speedo on. The t-shirt covers just enough. It seemed like they're naked. So the people wore cow that way all the time yes my issue in climate greg with lessons was that the people when it rains the, the tennis course get of course not safe yes and then it takes about like you when you, it rains it takes about an hour to dry off so we used to say tell the gms hey guys give it an hour come back for the next hour we make it more like a, a hybrid one and they come in so they come in and they they, they test the 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 court and they go like no no it's good it's good we can't play oh, sorry <laughs> sir no we cannot play he goes, no, no, no i got this we can't play 
I know you got this, but I can't let, let, let you play. So then, then they go, I'm going to call Chief of Village, other blah, blah, blah. And then one time, and in Itaparica, because in, in Paradise, it's, um, it's like hot root, which is like a, a clay quartz. And Itaparica is hard quartz. And one guy says, hey, I want to show you. And he's like hitting some balls with the other person. And he ruptured his Achilles. Uh, of course. And of course, he then blamed on me that allowed him to play. So anyway, there's all this kind of like fun stuff. So when when I when when Mitchie gave me the chance to run the, the tennis program, I was that guy. Then if it rang, I was like, this is done. Closed up. Yes. Everybody wait. Well, that was how I described my job. My job was to keep GMs from killing themselves because I don't know what, yeah. what happens on vacation. Like you work the beach. I worked the beach with Kim and you have a guy who insists up and down. He knows how to sail. He's been sailing 15 yeah. years. As soon as he gets the boat, he, you know, he capsizes right in front of you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Okay. But it just happens. <laughs> yeah. I like that description. Keep them from killing themselves. Yes. Somebody. Yes. That was my I job like description. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess uh, you're a pretty outgoing guy, as I remembered. So I, I'm assuming that eating um, when you got to the American Zone, eating eating uh, meals three times a day with GMs, it was it was probably easy for you, right? Because you were a very outgoing, extroverted guy, correct? Uh, yes. By the time I got here, I was ready for it. Now, story that I'm not sure you know it, but many know. Every male in my family is a stutter. We all stutter, uh, and in my language, I stutter pretty badly. Like my dad and my brother and my all my male cousins, all my uncles, we stutter. So Club Med not, not only was the best workplace for me, but I learned not to stutter in Club Med. So imagine how hard it would be for you to be a GO if you stutter. Yes. So I kind of, I found a way in my brain to kind of go over it. So, but by the time I came from Papadika to, to the American Zone, I was no longer stutter. And in, in a different language, you don't stutter. I think many people know that. When you sing, you don't stutter. When you speak a different language, you don't stutter either. So luckily, I live in the U.S. now. I speak a different language of my own, so I don't stutter anymore. Do you dream in English now? Oh, yeah. Okay. How many yeah. languages do you speak now? Three? So uh, Portuguese, my first one. Spanish, my second one. English, my third. Um, and I, um, I still want to keep working on my French, but three languages is good enough for me for now. Okay. <laughs> Did you meet any, besides any like tennis, uh, tennis athletes, were there any celebrities you met in Brazil or Paradise Island? In Paradise, uh, mostly tennis. So because we had a partnership with the ATP, we played with Justin Hannon, the little Belge number one in the world. Yes. Uh, we played with a couple of tennis pros. What are their names? But some um, some guys, one guy made like uh, Peter will probably remember this, and the other guys like he was a semifinalist of the French Open, but he was a one-off. It was kind of interesting to see them there. Yeah, I think he mentioned um, him. Saw, yeah, and then I saw a couple of guys not in Club Med, but because we went to go to Atlantis all the time, the casino afterwards. We, <laughs> were we allowed to? Or were we not allowed to do that? I, I never understood. Oh, we were allowed. Oh, oh we were. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Joker and I have seen, I mean, we've had drinks with Ice-T, we've had like, a, we've had like, we've seen Michael Jordan and the Backstreet Boys and Oprah Winfrey, and so we've seen some. Oh, you saw that? Okay, so that's, was that where the Backstreet Boys number came from? Because you, you saw them at Atlantis? That was specially made for you, Greg. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> 
All right. Now in, par- in paradise, because you mentioned a lot of the people you looked up to, you liked in Itaparica. Was there any like managers, GOs that stood out for you, uh, made a positive impression on you? You buy their work ethic? Anyone come uh, to mind? So I think the learning curve really happened in in the Brazilian villages. I think we've had a lot of turnovers in chief of villages and sports, like chief of sports, a lot of turnover in paradise. Um, I I have my greatest friends, I think, came from those seasons in Paradise Island. For example, in my wedding, my, all my groomsmen were GOs. So, um, oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so that was, I think, where my core friends were. But like management, Angie Boucher was great, but she came and she went. And then there was, anyways, it was kind of a mix. So I don't think management-wise, PI was the best place for me compared to Itaparica. Now, was Paradise your last season or did you continue on after? No, um, we were offered Cancun. Um, I had the luck to understand that Kim was the woman of my life. So I said, okay, I can try to do this in Club Med. I know that's probably going to be tough. So we made a choice to stop. So I was lucky enough to find her. And but unlucky enough that my club my life was gone by then. I always dreamt to be a being chief of village, and I have a lot of friends now. Uh, sorry, I have a couple of friends now that still they're doing it. Especially one that worked with me in Itaparica. Now he's a chief of village, and he's loving it. But I have to believe that decisions you made when you make them have to be correct. Yes. So quitting club med at that time it was enough for me, and um, Kim and I moved back to Brazil. We spent that. I had finished college. Remember, I stopped college before I finished you, it. You went back to finish? I did. Oh, really? And, well, Kim, and Kim was just my girlfriend. And this is a story that when you talk to her, ask about this story. <laughs> uh, because I, I tell the story. My version is that she she said, hey, I'll come with you. I'll come to Brazil with you. And, um, and her version is I invited her to come with me. I think she just, I think she just said, uh, maybe this is my year back in Brazil with my boyfriend. But once we were there, um, of course, living together back to real life, she did not speak the language and she learned tons, uh, I proposed. And then after Brazil, we came to the U.S. and started our careers in the U.S. Now, how much, how much credits or years did you have left on your degree? Uh, are you talking like one year or... I had one year to do, and they made me do a year and a half. Okay. But but because I basically I got summer to summer, I did a year summer to summer, but I, I did a bunch of excuse me summer courses so I could um, finish in one year because I was paying now by, by myself to go back to school. I was as broke as it get because of your mom's original threat. Exactly. To you. It. Wow, My she's she's tough. Okay. <laughs> she's tough, but she's right. That was, yeah. that was another great thing in life for me. So I had to, um, so I had a funny story quickly. In, back in Brazil, if you want to join a school, when you are like 17 going to school, you had to do an entry exam. On your entry exam, if you are like the top 10 or top five, depends on which school, you get scholarships. And you study for those exams. So at 17, I got non-top 10. My brother was number one. My dad was number one. I was a dumb guy. So I did. I just got in, and then I left. I left school, left college, and I came back at twenty or whatever, three. I don't know, twenty-three something. The the school made me retake the entry exam. I'm like, dude, I haven't studied 
chemistry and physics forever. But then they said, if you if you're a top ten, you get scholarship. I said, that's my that's my language now. So I um, I studied like crazy for a couple of weeks, and I I made top ten on the um, and I got a partial scholarship. That that's the reason I could afford going back to college, and I graduated in, in from summer to summer. So basically, full year, then came back to the U.S. Can I ask uh, what what degree you have? Yes, I'm the undergrad in business administration, and I'm about two months away from finishing my MBA program right now. Really? Oh, yep, congrats. I'm finishing it right now. Where yeah. are you doing your MBA? It's an online MBA called Quantic. If any of your listeners want a very innovative, innovative school that does online MBA, executive online MBAs, Quantic is absolutely amazing. And it sounds intense. Like how... Uh... Are you doing this in a year and a half as well, or um, two year years? And half, okay. Year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Now, true or false? Does MBA stand for married but available? No, I'm kidding. Don't answer that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't tell Kim I said that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, okay. okay. Now, uh, it's not often. I this is probably the only occasion I'm going to get to drop the H bomb. So I see by your bio, you taught squash at Harvard. True or false? That is true. That is true. What year were you at Harvard? 2005 to two. Okay, so Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg yeah, had just, just left then, I guess, right? Actually, to tell you a funny story. Yes. So, um, one of my students, few of my students were in the same door as him, dorm as him. And I used to go check into my students. I was the, the Harvard squash coach. So, I could keep them out of trouble, keep them eating healthy because they were all athletes. And um, he was around the era right there. So while I was trying to keep people away from getting in trouble, there was someone creating Facebook right next to us. So wow, <laughs> I wish I wish I met the guy to be a donor for my <laughs> current program. I know, so that's I right. missed the boat on that one. <laughs> wow, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now uh, I usually end the podcast by asking about. So you did Taparica, Paradise Island. Was um, did you have a favorite? Like I use I use the word magical. Was one of your seasons magical than the other, or was it because it was oh your first God. season? But for you, it's difficult. I see because you started going to Teparica as a GM. So I don't know. Is there maybe one where you have more memories, or do you just like them both the same for different reasons? Yeah. So good question, man. So I I've, I've worked in those two resort in two two villages. Uh, we 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 go to Clamata once a year, maybe sometimes twice a year, still with the whole family now. So we go all around uh, as GM. So we've met a lot of cool, but as a working GO, I have to say that my first season in PI was very special because of how, how much fun we had. We really had a ball. Um, but my most special season of them all was my last season in Itaparica. Okay. Oh, sorry. Well, the last one, Tapadico. May I ask you one, one, one more question? Because I love, Good, I love, I love um, dumb questions. So uh, do you recall <laughs> the, the dumbest question you ever asked? Or like, you know, when's is, it going to stop is, raining? You know, like, you know, questions uh, like that. What temperature is the ocean? Yes, you know? yes, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> so it's actually not, not the, um, it's not actually a question. It's how it starts. Okay. So the Argentinians, I got to make home the Argentinians a little bit. <laughs> yeah, they're not. A chance. I, I don't have any Argentinian listeners that I know of, so it's okay. <laughs> and if, if anyone that happens to be from there, please, I'm sorry, but it's too funny. So every time they start by saying, 
hey, Renato, una preguntita, which means a little question, a little question. I know is going to be the dumbest thing in the universe. <laughs> okay. So when that happens, I just brace myself for crap like, do you guys sleep? Okay. Uh, I'm like, okay. What, what time is the 8 a.m. beginner tennis lesson? Stuff yes. like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, some, some things that makes no sense. And But listen, isn't it fun? Um, one of my roommates, Greg, in Itaparica, he was an Asian Brazilian. His name is Dilson. Top three geos of all times in my book. The guy's like incredible. Won every award for every geo, every season ever. And he, so he's Asian American. Like he's Asian. I'm sorry, Asian Brazilian. He's I mean, like, and we go to, we go, to, we always eat, eat together then. And we used to say that we were brothers. And we used to lie. It was about how many lies can we say in a row to a GM? So we, we lie for hours. Yes. About yes. like, hey, <laughs> and I can't believe what people buy. The people need to buy that stuff. Like, they, yes. oh, really? Yes. Interesting. <laughs> so the reality, it doesn't really matter what we say to these GMs. They're going to have a good time anyway. It's, just, it's entertainment, isn't it? Yeah. So. Joker and I used to play that at Cancun. I think once we were asked why why everyone has a nickname and Joker said, we're, well, we're in a gang here. And they're like, really? <laughs> they, they allow that? Okay. <laughs> and he could do it straight face. I, I, I used to break all the time, but he could keep a straight face for hours. <laughs> that is too funny. <laughs> well, sir, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I don't want to keep you any longer, but I'm so happy you did this and shared your story with us. Thank you. My pleasure, Greg. Always good talking to you. And um, I don't want to. I don't want to let you go unless there's something I haven't asked you or you forgot to say. I hope. I hope we 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 uh, we talked a lot. But uh, last question: If anyone is thinking about just you know, should I apply to Club Med or not? What would you say? One hundred percent. Club Med is the best uh, school of life there is. I funny. I worked for Club Med. I worked for Harvard, and now I work for my own nonprofit that I built. And I try to combine the things I learned along the way. And I learned so much more in Club Med than I learned at Harvard. It is by far the best school of life there is. And I highly encourage everyone to, to give it a try. Not, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's worth it because um, it was the best memories of my life. Well said, well put, sir. Thank you very much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, everyone, that was from Brazil and California. Mr. Renato, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Say bye, Renato. See you guys. Thank you.